Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast? Well, you found it. My name's Ivan Pugioni, and in my relaunched podcast in Melbourne last week, I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. When you go into the, the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, you want the reader to easily relate to things. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you can get your podcasts. You know, my friend Bob Sacamano made a fortune off of those. See, he came up with the idea for the rubber band. Before that, people would just hit the ball and it would fly away. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Ninety-nine episodes, Stephen. Ninety-nine luft balloons, red balloons, depending on where you are in the world, and ninety-nine episodes of Bibblebask. Crazy. Yeah, it uh, it it it's it's great. It's yeah. special. Um, it's pretty cool. So, and it's good timing too because we were nominated for a podcast award a few weeks ago, and uh, that's happening in a couple of weeks in Sydney. So, a hundredth episode tying in with that uh, makes sense. I think the stars are aligned. Worlds worlds are colliding, aren't they? They are. They yeah. are. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a podcast about Seinfeld, but this time it's not your typical kind of Seinfeld podcast. We talk about the secondary characters from it. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And this week is our final, or possibly our final, what's the deal with episode. So usually every fifth episode we talk about a major secondary character or characters, uh, you know, characters who have gone across different story arcs and different seasons of the show. We've pretty much exhausted all the main secondary characters, Stephen, throughout our show's run, and uh, we thought we'd probably finish uh, with a big one to finish off, something which can kind of challenge us a bit more than usual. Yeah, it kind of makes our job easier because we spend a lot of time hypothesizing some of the secondary character storylines, but uh, this is also harder as well because there's a non-physical aspect to it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we can't we can't put faces to names because these characters, the ones we're talking about for our final what's the deal with uh, is the unseen characters and uh, usually we would reserve this for the 100th episode, but next week is our 100th, but we're saving that for a very classic episode of Seinfeld. So we thought let's just bring number 99 forward and make that what's the deal with and go from there. I don't think anyone will care. No, I think you're right. And if you care, <laughs> then you should ask why you care. Exactly. <laughs> Something you should care about though is getting in touch with us. You can email us Bidwabas Podcast, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. You can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Reddit. Uh, you can listen to this podcast, uh, well, sorry, this episode, and uh, any previous episodes from our podcast uh, through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to your uh, podcasts. We're there, and I've been saying podcast a lot. <laughs> you sure have. And uh, finally, if you want to check us out and uh, listen to some of our bonus material and get early access to our normal weekly episodes, head to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. Uh, you can check it out for various dollars per month. You That's can right. get some goodies. And your Patreon subscription will help us with the show, keep it running, or will help keep the show running. And, uh, yeah, we can keep talking about secondary characters. Yeah. You'll be supporting us a lot. That's right. That's not a guilt trip, though. No, no. We'll, we'll continue doing it anyway. Of but course. But if you want to pitch in, yeah. we'd really appreciate it. That'd be fantastic. Now, this week, Stephen, for Seinfeld trivia, I'm just going to get my Seinfeld fact. So every week I read from a desktop calendar from 2018. <laughs> We're recording in 2019 with some Seinfeld facts. So I'm just going to get today's fact. Just picking a page at random. Yeah, pretty much. 
<laughs> you can hear the, the flicking in the back, can't yeah. you? Yeah. Awesome. To reorder this calendar... Oh, no, no, wait, that's not a fact. <laughs> that's an ad. You're re- reordering the calendar. No, I don't want that. Okay, here we go. It's about the fourth season. So, the fourth season episode, The Handicap Spot, got entire new scenes in syndication. When Jerry Stiller joined in Seinfeld in 1995 as Frank, he replaced John Randolph, who just made one appearance. And when we talked about him all the way back in episode 10, Frank Costanza, we did mention that he was replaced by Jerry Stiller. After Stiller's hiring, the crew reshot Randolph's scenes with Stiller and subbed them into the syndicated version. Oh, Mm, interesting. And you can still watch the John Randolph scenes, I'm pretty sure, on YouTube and on the DVD commentary or the deleted scenes of the DVDs. Yeah, I've definitely seen them. Mm, Me too. So they're available somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Our next section is Seinfeldisms. Seinfeldism, yes. What do you have this week? Uh, I've got one. So my partner uh, visited her friend on the weekend and she went over to a house and uh, she sent me a photo. It was a picture. Her friend is a is an artist designer and she had a picture, like a framed picture of just an, an ocean, like waves. And she'd, I think she stenciled it or maybe got it printed. I don't know how she actually did it, but it's just uh, a, a picture of like waves and it says... The day uh, the sea was angry that day, my friend. Ah, oh, nice. In, uh, in like big... an old man returning soup to the deli. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and she has it hanging on her wall. So ah, we can. Yeah. Whenever I go over her house, I'm definitely going to steal it. Nice. Yep. Nice. Uh, what about you? Uh, well, for me, I think I think we were talking about this in the car. We weren't sure if it was more of a Seinfeldism or a Seinfeld news segment. We'll just include it in both. Yeah, include it in both. Why not? So Australian cricketer, uh, especially those in Australia and other cricketing nations, you've probably heard this story. But the other day, James Faulkner, he's an Australian cricketer, he put a post on Instagram with him at dinner with uh, a friend of his as well as I think his mother or something. Yeah. And he put up a post saying, I've just gone out to dinner to celebrate my birthday with my boyfriend. And he put in brackets, best mate. And I think it was more of a joke regarding the whole boyfriend thing. But people interpreted that as boyfriend as in partner. People thought this was his coming out moment. You know, he was going to say, oh, I've been with this guy for years or whatever. You know, but it turns out that he confirmed that he wasn't gay, and it kind of reminded me of the outing in Seinfeld. You know, when when Jerry and George joke, or Jerry jokingly says that they're a, a couple. Yeah, where their sarcasm is mistaken for being serious. Yeah, yeah. And then it just sort of escalates beyond their control, and then they have to spend time yeah. correcting media, and yeah, it just sort of it 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 blows up. And this has only happened in the last twenty four hours or so, but it's funny because there's actually been news articles saying that James Faulkner's gay and he's come out. So yeah. it's actually from like reputable news sources. So it's really interesting. I, I really found it funny how it, there was that Seinfeld dynamic, and that's definitely like a Seinfeldism for me. Yeah, you know, it was definitely just Seinfeldism for him. Uh, yeah, for him as well. And I read that, and I was like, not that there's anything wrong with it. No, no, not at all, not, not at all. all, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was talking to you about it uh, on the way over here to the studio, and it's weird how people kind of took an Instagram post and just decided it was serious without any fact checking or verification or even just reaching out to him to say, Hey, is this actually you coming out or is this, you know, just a joke or like, Mm. how am I meant to interpret this? But even in the post, Mm. he says in brackets, my best friend. So surely that would cast some doubt over it. If you're a journo, like you'd be like, Oh, does, is he being serious? Or is he saying that his boyfriend's his best friend? Like you would, you would verify the truth before you go, he must be gay and must be coming out. Let's write an article. But that's so bad. Something very similar happened in the outing. You know, when we talked about that episode, we talked about, I forgot the name, Erica, was it the journalist? I forgot her name, but the journalist, she did the same thing as well. She didn't verify her sources. She just overheard 
you know, eavesdropped and thought, oh, this must be true. Yeah. So the same thing kind of applied as well here, but this was more new media, you know, Instagram, social media and stuff. But it's the same kind of premise. You're basically running a story without all the facts. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think you just sort of get caught up in the moment and go, oh, I've got, you know, this is, this is worth reporting on. And I think in the context of sports, and, you know, it's come a long way, especially in the last sort of four or five years, you know, there's still a lot of, I guess... Um, I wouldn't say homophobia, but probably a lot of closet gay people in sports. Oh, yeah. Because it's still probably quite, um, you know, hard for them to come out and be who they truly are, especially in the public. Mm. So, I think a lot of journos maybe realised that or thought that this was some sort of landmark moment. It's like in some cricket. watershed moment in sport. Yeah, you yeah. Know, especially yeah, for Australian yeah. cricket. Um, yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't true. <laughs> no, and he had to correct himself. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot of journos will be getting wrapped over the knuckles by their editors. Oh yeah, today and tomorrow, and you know, having to retract articles. Yes, but so that's my Seinfeldism. Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad. <laughs> uh, let's do some Seinfeld news. Yeah, sure, let's do it. What you got? Uh, I've got six things this week. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah, so yep. back back on the um the 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 large amount of news. So first of all, it was Jerry Seinfeld and your birthday through That's the week right. on April 29th. Yeah, we're recording on April 30 in yeah. Australia. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm wrapped that uh, Jerry shares the same birthday as me. Yeah, and actually, one of our uh, followers, I think I'm pretty sure they listen to us as well. Uh, their Twitter handle is KML. Um, they also retweeted us and they send us a reply saying it's their birthday on April 29 as well. So, happy birthday, uh, KML. The more the merrier. Yeah, that's right. So, three of us. Yeah, so mm. Jerry turned 65, so he's legally able to retire now. Yeah, good. So, he'll never tour again. He can get his seniors card. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he can get free coffee at the at the uh, McDonald's or what whatever. If, you what know? if he'll get free discounts on fake Porsches? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In reference to that story from yeah. earlier in the year. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, you turned 31 and KML turned an, an age. Yeah, but that's right. Happy birthday to all three of you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, now, the next bit of news. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus sat down with Vogue through the week. And uh, what she did, and it's a really fun little video, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, is uh, she reviewed her Seinfeld fashion choices <laughs> and sort of commented on them, you know, 20 to 25 years after the fact. Butticellis. Um No, she didn't actually, t- like, there was no scene with her shoes. Oh, okay. It was more just her dresses and, you know, her, her general fashion style in the uh, in the early to mid-90s. And, um, yeah, she covers a lot about what went into the wardrobe, you know, a lot of the choices, um, and most of it's sort of like her lightheartedly criticising her early fashion choices. <laughs> As I think we all do, we all look back, you know, at what we wore when we were teenagers or young adults and go, oh, why would I wear that? Oh, visors, billabong visors. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, so that was a fun little video. Um, another bit of news, or the third bit of news, and it's uh, with JLD again. Yeah. yeah. Um, in an interview, um, I didn't catch who the interview was with. I saw the quote in another article. Um, but through the week, she... Uh, she actually said that she has no interest at all in partaking in any sort of Seinfeld reunion. Well, that's fine. Well, Julia, we have 10 scripts ready to go. We have 10 episodes. So <laughs> at least She hasn't read our scripts. No, at least listen to those episodes first. We'll and, change her mind. You know, yep. speak to Larry, speak to Jerry and... Look, we've mentioned before. If you want us, if you want a couple of part-time writers, we'll we'll do it for a fifth of the normal pay. You know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll come over and we'll come to the US for six months and write. Yeah. You know, like Briggs did for um, Disenchantment, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Matt Groening show. Briggs yeah. went over there and wrote an yeah. episode. So yeah. you know, the the rapper. So you know. We, we can be like Briggs. Yeah, Briggs can do it. We can do it. Oh, of course. Yep. Uh, her reason for saying uh, that she doesn't want to do it is that she feels it would sully the show's legacy. Okay. Which is uh, interesting. I, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people have that kind of take of like, just leave things as they are. Don't 
change it or don't add to it. Just mm, let yeah. it be what it is and, you know, people can enjoy it for that. Oh, well, at least we can enjoy season 10 and later in the year for us, season 11, uh, hypothetically. That's right. I suppose. Uh, now, the fourth bit of news, uh, the LA Dodgers, a American baseball team, announced through the week that they're celebrating the forthcoming 30th anniversary of the airing of Seinfeld's first episode. Yes, that's in July. Yeah. Mm, and, yep. and to celebrate, they're having a Seinfeld night. It happens on the 29th of May and uh, it's uh, during a game when they play the New York Mets. Nice. Um, which is uh, real life Jerry's favorite team. That's right. Um, and to, I guess, to sort of celebrate the night, um, it's uh, like special tickets are available. The tickets themselves are going to be printed, I think, on a Seinfeld image. And everyone who gets a ticket and attends the game will receive a limited edition uh, Seinfeld baseball. I uh-huh. think in, in like a little mounted kind of case thing. If you do go to that game, send us a photo. Yeah, uh, send us an awesome. email or, or find us on social media, and yeah, send us a photo. That'd send be us amazing. a baseball. <laughs> oh, no, not the baseball. It's yeah, fine. no, <laughs> baseball or nothing. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. So not even a photo. No. Okay. Yeah. If Fair you're not sending us baseball, don't bother. <laughs> not interested. No. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, now, the fifth and second last bit of news, um, and this is a sports-related one as well. Um, through the week, Larry David attended Game 6 of the opening round of the playoff series uh, in the NBA, mm. um, and the game was between Golden State Warriors and LA Clippers, so two Californian teams. Yeah. And uh, some pretty funny photos were taken by um, f- like professional f- photographers and, and uh, you know other attendees on social media showing Larry David in, uh, I guess you would say, a uninterested... Yeah, he um, looked pretty bored. Series I of saw photos. Those, yeah, I saw yeah. those photos. He looked pretty bored, didn't he? Yeah, his yeah. facial expressions kind of ranged from mildly interesting at best. Yeah. Well, sorry, mildly interested mm-hmm. at best yep. in the game to exceedingly disappointed. He just looked like he didn't want to be there. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I, I I, think he is a Clippers fan or a, or a Golden State Warriors fan. So he is a basketball fan. Yeah. Because I have seen photos of him at games before. So it's not like he was there, you know, by, um, you know, he was there by choice. But I don't know, for some reason, maybe he was just having a bad day or something else was going on, but he just looked like he would rather be anywhere else. You think that they were filming a Curb episode? You know, you think that yeah. maybe there's other cameras around him? You know, yeah. maybe they're doing the next season of Curb? No. That's <laughs> just him. He just looked like he'd rather be doing anything else uh-huh. but watching that game. So funny. I don't know, maybe his team was losing and he was just off it. Who knows? Who knows? And the final bit of news is not sports related, uh, nor is it birthday related, but it, uh, it is political. Um, okay. So through the week, uh, or early last week, um, a new Ukrainian president was elected. And uh, funnily enough, and I did mention this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, just by coincidence, because I think it came up in conversation, that um, the favourite at the time before the election was a uh, a TV comedian. Yeah, who impersonated the uh, current or the previous president. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was current at the time, but now he's previous. Yeah, that's right. And against the, I guess, the common sense odds, he actually won. <laughs> he won in a landslide victory. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, how good's that? I mean, in the, in, you know, in the current age of world politics where a, a you know, hotel mogul with no political experience can, can become elected, it's not that unusual. Of course. But um, yeah, still strange. I mean, the world is sort of getting more and more weird each week. And probably people are probably wondering, what's the Seinfeld reference I come from Ukraine yeah that's right and also a television comedian I mean you yeah. know, Jerry Seinfeld is a television comedian not that he's a politician <laughs> yeah but um, you know there are some parallels there goodness gracious yeah, Alec so, Baldwin could be president yes. well probably not with his violent record now mm, no probably not no, 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 no. <laughs> that'll be something yeah I think a tin of baked beans could be a better president than um, you know my mate ah uh, who knows yeah. <laughs> anyway who I, knows? I like staying out of those 
politics. Yeah. It's all about Seinfeld. And this week, it's all about what's the deal with the unseen characters. Our last what's the deal with episode. Bittersweet. Yeah, very bittersweet indeed. I think this will be our... It's our 20th, I think, what's the deal. Because we started from episode five. So, that makes sense, yeah. Yep, that would make sense. 20 what's the deal. I know, it would be our 19th because for our 50th episode, we did a live show. Oh, we sure did, yeah. yeah so we missed out on the on the the twentieth because oh. we didn't do one for our fiftieth. Number nineteen, the yeah, uh, still a lot. Yes. Anyway, we, today's characters we're going to talk about after the break. Uh, I've got notes on Bob Sacamano, Lomez, and cousin Jeffrey. And Stephen, you've got notes on Doctor Bison. That's right. I do have some notes on Doctor Bison, and I also have just a couple of notes on Gail, the uh, never seen sister of Elaine. Oh, yes, excellent. And also because there's over twenty five or thirty unseen characters, I'm going to also mention. Uh, just a little list of the most notable unseen characters on the show. Yep. So when we come back, we'll talk about the unseen characters of Seinfeld for our very last What's the Deal With. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Welcome back to this week's But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. It is our last ever What's the Deal with episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about three or four of the major unseen characters that have uh, uh, been in the show for, well, most of the seasons, really. Yeah. And we're going to start off with Uncle Leo's son and uh, Jerry's much derided cousin, Cousin Jeffrey. That's right. And usually we'd have like an acting credit played by Blah, but obviously because they're unseen, it's not possible. But what I've done, Stephen, I've actually taken the liberty to cast the main three characters we're talking about today. So who I would cast as Cousin Jeffrey? Ted Danson. Ted Danson, Ted okay. Danson. And do you know how I came up with Ted Danson? Because he looks like a horse. Yes, I actually Googled celebrities who look like horses because Cousin Jeffrey has a horse face. Yeah. Right? And so I Googled celebrities who look like horses and Ted Danson showed up on the list Makes for some sense. reason. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Ted Danson's a handsome guy, but yeah. he definitely looks like a horse. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got horse-like features. <laughs> he doesn't he's got look a like horse Bojack face. Horseman. No. No. no, no. He's got um, a horse face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's got big hair and a horse face. And I figured as well, because Seinfeld, when it started, I think it was another two or three more years of Cheers. So, you know, Ted Danson was one of the leads in Cheers. So well, Cheers would have finished. So I could imagine because Cheers and Seinfeld are NBC shows, maybe Ted Danson could have come in. Because Cousin Jeffrey is only in a few episodes. He's mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you know, four or five. Yeah, he could have just come in himself and maybe Ted could have just made a cameo yeah. once a season or something. Yep. Funnily enough, mm. and I picked this up because I've already done notes for next week's episode, which we'll reveal at the end of the show. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the like the, the the last ever Cheers show was actually aired the same night as next week's episode that we're going to talk Ex- about. Excellent. There um, you go. Oh, sorry, not next week's episode, the week after. The episode. one after, yes. Yeah, 101st yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. The yeah, palindrome so, number. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, nice. So, a bit of info about Cousin Jeffrey. So, Jerry's horse-faced cousin, <laughs> that's who he is, about whom Uncle Leo always raves. He worked for the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. Jeffrey once got Jerry tickets to a Paul Simon concert, and a glasses-less George once claimed to see Jeffrey kissing Jerry's girlfriend in the street. It turned out to be a policewoman patting a horse. <laughs> I love that episode. According to Uncle Leo, Jeffrey's favourite animal is the leopards. He likes the spots. <laughs> and he keeps in close contact with his his college botany professor, a friendship which Leo thinks is rare. 
they're equals. <laughs> Jeffrey received a citation from the city for his edible foliage tour through Central Park. The back of Cousin Jeffrey's head can be seen in the deleted scenes for the glasses episode on the season DVD. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So Cousin Jeffrey. So when we did Uncle Leo's episode a while ago, we decided not to talk about Cousin Jeffrey then. So because we consider Cousin Jeffrey obviously a separate character and we wanted to save him for this kind of special event. So I what think, I think we did talk about what Uncle Leo thinks of Cousin of course. Jeffrey because he puts yeah. him on a pedestal. Exactly. But we didn't talk about him specifically yet. No. Growing up, Stephen, did you consider or would you consider Jeffrey to be the more golden child or the, the, the golden child of the family uh, no. compared to Jerry? No. Because I know I Jerry's like the golden boy of his parents, but I mean in the whole Seinfeld Well, he's plan, an only child. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, his parents are going to dote on him. Mm. Um, no, I my understanding of Jeffrey and my interpretation has always been he's been i guess probably like an underachiever but because of uncle leo's insecurity which we kind of touched on in um uh in his episode mm. he puts him on a pedestal to sort of vicariously make up for his own perceived shortcomings yes we did mention that yep, yeah yeah yep. um and i mean you know no no criticism to to jeffrey's job but you know if if my son if my son was a doctor I'd I'd brag about it probably just because I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. if my son just worked for the Parks and Rec Department and he was just a, a a cog in a in a big bureaucratic machine at Central Park, I'd tell people what he did. But I don't think it's a job that a lot of parents would brag about mm. in the way that Leo does. Absolutely. And I think yeah. Jeffrey as well. Him working for the Parks Department, it's obviously been inspired by him enjoying the nature channels. Yeah. Uh, watching the nature channel, watching the leopards because of the spots. I think he just has a natural affinity for animals. He yeah. just loves them, and he wanted to basically do it as a career. Yeah, and I've always, uh, you know, after um, doing notes for this episode, I kind of theorised that he doesn't really have a genuine friendship with his former botany professor. I think he, I think he just uses him as a link to maybe, you know, like if he visits him on campus or goes to the labs or whatever at uni yeah. or at college. Yeah, I think he just uses the the professor to sort of get access to rare plant specimens or maybe some cool animals in jars or yeah, something. Yeah, probably. And it's yeah. just a bit of a, you know, uh, he sort of just maintains a fake friendship just to get access to that stuff. And Leo once again talks it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't think I don't think cousin Jeffrey really cares about the relationship with the professor. I think he just uses him a bit. I don't think so either i think with jeffrey as well i think because of his love for animals when he was a child and a teenager growing up i think he didn't get into parks straight away i think he might have worked in an office or a factory or something i think he had to kind of for some reason he had to give up his passion for animals or maybe he still had his passion but he wanted to do it as an occupation but due to different circumstances he probably just went into like a factory job or something and then one day he built up the courage or maybe he got married had a divorce or maybe he was in a long-term relationship and broke up and he probably thought you know what i'm free again i'm just going to ditch the job the job i've been working hard for for five years or whatever and i'm just going to get into wildlife okay or work in the parks no that's that's that makes sense yeah I've always had a slightly different take. I think he arrived at his current job through, uh, I think he was aiming higher. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was aiming to be a, a biologist. Oh, right. Okay. You know, yeah. Or a botanist or something like that. So he fell back into working in parks. Yeah. I just don't think mm. he was ever smart enough or motivated enough or he just never got the right opportunities or yeah. whatever. Okay. And this was sort of the next best thing. Yeah. Both theories are plausible. Yeah. 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 He, however he got there, it, it, um, yeah, it would have been an interesting path, mm -hmm. I think. But I've always gotten the feeling that Jeffrey is maybe a bit of a bit of a loner, maybe a bit of a loser. Okay. Um, not in a not in a major way, but just maybe he's always just been disappointed in himself. Okay. And you know, Leo's trying to 
sort of prop him up in his own mind to to also compensate for maybe Leo's frustrations yeah, with well, himself and with Jeffrey. I don't know. Yeah, well, he does stay in on Friday nights to watch the Nature Channel. Yeah. So, you know, he yeah, could be is, going out and having a good time, but just don't yeah, want it. No. Mm. I mean, I don't think he's a bad person. No. Um, I mean, you don't really know. I know Jerry doesn't really like him much. Mm. I mean, he, Jerry never says anything about him directly. No. But you get the sense that Jeffrey just... I think he's just indifferent about him. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Just mm. my dumb cousin. I don't care about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's also a Paul Simon fan as well. Yeah. When he gives Jerry the concert tickets. That's true. So he must like, he must have spun Graceland on the vinyl back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. That would have made sense. He with, must uh, have loved it. When he was growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that the album Graceland by Paul Simon? His I big his big one? so. Yeah. I'm going to Graceland. No, 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 no. It was, um, it had the song. You can call me Al. Was that Graceland? I think it was Graceland. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that was like his big, his big one. Yeah, I reckon he was spinning that in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I think everyone was. It. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have about him. Yeah. Anything else? Um. No. Well, he looks like a horse as well. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. No, Ted Dancer makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, that was good casting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I figured because of the end of Cheers, the start of oh, well, Seinfeld was four or five seasons in. So I thought it'd be perfect. The timing would have been right. Yeah, and plus, it's, like I said, NBC. They're both NBC shows. Yep. So worked out. Made perfect sense. Yeah, excellent. Uh, let's talk about uh, Lomez. Lomez. An actor who I would have cast for the role, John Leguizamo. Okay. Can you remind me who he is? I know the name. He is uh, an actor, well, an American actor. Mm. Uh, he was in... Do you remember that really shitty Super Mario Brothers movie? Yep. With Bob Hoskins. Yeah. John Leguizamo was Luigi. Oh, um, yeah. And he also... I'm not familiar with... Oh, he was in Carlito's Way, actually. Okay, I have seen that. And he was... I don't have his credits, but he was also in Romeo and Juliet. He okay. played... Um, is it Ty, Tybold? Okay. Like Romeo's mate. Right. He gets shot. Anyway, if, if you've read Romeo and Juliet, you'll understand. But he, if you see his face, you'll know who he is. Okay. And he was also in the John Wick movies recently. Right. He was um, the guy who fixed up John's car. He was like a mechanic. He was oh, like yep. his mate. Now yeah. I know. There you go, yeah. So I would have probably picked him as well because John Leguizamo's career kind of peaked in the 90s. Yep. So I thought. And he's, he's got a few comedic elements about him too. Like he's a dramatic actor as well, but, you know, he's been in some comedies and lighthearted stuff too and he, he seems to hit it off. And, you know, I was looking for like Latin actors in the 90s who were prominent and he came up. So, yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Lomez is an unseen friend of Kramer's. Uh, he's, he's an Orthodox Jew, old school, according to Kramer. In the betrayal, Kramer bangs on the door of a portable toilet yelling, Come on, Lomez, we're going to miss the movie. When Kramer starts the Peterman reality bus tour in the Muffin Tops, he notes Lomez's place of worship on the tour. Kramer purchases a hot tub from Lomez and speaks on the phone to him while taking a shower in the apology. <laughs> in the package, Kramer tells Jerry that he traded his stereo to Lomez for some steaks. In The Voice, Kramer's intern Darren tells Jerry and George that Mr. Kramer's in a meeting with Mr. Lomez. And in The Van Buren Boys, Stephen, one of the Susan Ross scholarship interviewees is credited as Lomez Jr. Yeah. Yes. So his relation, if any, to Lomez remains unknown. Yeah. Never yeah. been confirmed. Or that's just a coincidence. That's right. I think Lomez is a fairly common Hispanic last name. So yeah. Probably just a coincidence. Probably. What do you think his first name is? Um... Have you ever thought about Eduardo? that? Eduardo. <laughs> Eduardo. Yeah, sure. That's what it is. Eddie, Eddie Lomez. Eddie Lomez. Yeah, that sounds good. There's Bob Sacamano and Eddie Lomez. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Lomez just sounds good. It does sound good, doesn't it? Yeah. If my name was Eddie Lomez, I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> no, no, no. And also, uh, in the slicer, Kramer tells Elaine that Lomez blew his neighbor's circuit to stop an incessant alarm, prompting her to do the same. Later on in the episode, Kramer tells Elaine that in blowing his neighbor's circuit, Lomez caused the automatic cat feeder to stop functioning, resulting in incessant meowing from the neighbor's cat. 
When Elaine asks Kramer what Lomez did about it, he replies that he moved to a motel and the cat eventually died. Jeez. <laughs> when I was reading through the, um, the, the, the bits and pieces on Lomez out there, I was reading through and, you know, just accumulating all these little facts. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, this, you know, this guy's interesting. He's an Orthodox Jew. He's yeah, Kramer. He obviously is a bit wacky sometimes. He is, yes. But then he just let a cat die, and I'm like, no, don't like him. No, don't like him. No, no. he's cruel to animals. Eddie Lomez. So, yeah, he's clearly a delinquent. <laughs> he's one of Kramer's weirdo buddies. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't be surprised if him and Kramer met just while they were, uh, you know, um, pursuing their own wacky schemes or whatever. <laughs> Get rich and they, and, scheme. Yeah, and their schemes just happen to cross over at some point. I could imagine him not being as crazy and wacky as Kramer, but kind of in that same level as him. Yeah. Same, same kind of intellectual level. Yeah, he's well. like he's like Diet Kramer. Diet Kramer. Kramer light. Kramer light, yeah. I think he would be as wacky and maybe even more wacky yeah. um, than Kramer, but I think his um, orthodox Judaism maybe keeps him a bit more grounded. Yeah. You know, Kramer... His life is pretty unconventional and unstructured. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got he's got his own sort of morals and his own weird philosophies and stuff, but he doesn't have a community of people that keep him grounded or no. give him a huge amount of identity, which Lomez has. Yeah, so I think I think that reduces his wackiness. But if he didn't have that, he would be, you know, more wacky than Kramer. Yeah, yeah. Kramer would be the Lopez. Sorry, Lopez. <laughs> Lopez. 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 Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. I mean, it's a again, it's another unseen character. You know, one of Kramer's mates. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess. Do you think he got ripped mm. off when he traded steaks for the stereo? I think he did. Yeah. 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 I'd rather oh, the stereo. There might have been good steaks. Yeah. Well, you know, you're a vegan, so you probably wouldn't appreciate them. But no, they're probably pretty good steaks. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I watched a movie um, the other day, um, Gerald's Game. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, like a Stephen King remake made into a movie, and um, he fed uh, his wife fed this dog these steaks, and they were like Kobe. Wagyu steaks and they're like two hundred dollars each or something. Okay. So unless if Lomez gave him Kramer like two hundred dollars steaks, I think he got ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Around. Lomez doesn't seem like the sort of person who would have you know Wagyu <laughs> beef or no. Kobe beef or no, filet mignons or something like that. No, no, definitely probably just not. chuck steak. You know, probably out of date in his freezer and he's like, hey, do you want these steaks? I'll take yeah, the stereo. I'll take the stereo. Yeah. Got ripped off by Lomez. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. So I, I think with Lomez, I think he's very crafty as well. Based on that, I think he knows how to rip people off. He, Or he maybe he knows how to, you know, you might say, oh, I'll trade you this for this like Kramer did. And he'll just give you like a dud item and say, oh, but he'll kind of talk it up and say, oh, yeah. this and this and this. He's probably a good salesman. He's probably a good salesman. You know, he can yeah. talk things up. I think so too. And convince people that they're getting a better deal than they actually are. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, definitely. So definitely one of Kramer's mates. One of Kramer's mates for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have about Lomez. So yeah. we should probably talk about Kramer's best mate. Yeah. Um, or at, at least, you know, other than maybe Jerry, um, Bob Sacamano. Bob Sacamano, he made his debut being talked about in uh, season two, The Heart Attack, and he's basically gone all the way to season nine. Yeah. He's been talked about at least once or twice a season. He comes into the show quite a lot. Quite a lot. An actor who I would have cast for this role, Stephen, Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. But obviously he was a bit younger at the time, but I think because these days Nick Cage is just a crazy dude, right? Yeah. Like he's always been a bit crazy, but I think he would have really, like when I think Bob Sacamano, I thought Nick Cage. Okay. I don't know. I just, just a crazy, wacky guy. Yeah. And I think he's probably on the same level as Kramer. I think he's a bit more wacky. I think he's even more wacky than Kramer. Yeah, I think yeah. I think um, Bob Sacamano is Kramer's muse. Oh wow! Or his benchmark for wackiness. You know, <laughs> he, he aspires to be like Bob Sacamano, even if it's not intentional. <laughs> you know, he sets the bar, and Kramer's trying to reach it. Oh wow! Yeah, jeez. Well, I mean, he he mentions him so many times, so he obviously has some like a quite a lot of respect for him, quite mm. a lot of admiration. Of course, um, you know, because he yeah he talks about him all the time and. 
he also, you know, I mean, Jerry sort of hates most people and he, I mean, he tolerates Kramer. I wouldn't say that he likes Kramer. Mm, yeah. But, um, you know, when they swap apartments in the chicken roaster, mm. the, what's it called? Chicken the roaster? chicken roaster, yeah. Yeah, chicken roaster. Yeah. When he swaps apartments. Jerry adds that Bob sells Russian hats in Battery Park. Yeah, and Jerry befriends Bob. That's right. You know, so, Bob's probably charming as well. Oh, probably. You know, yeah. I mean, Kramer's charming, even mm. though he's annoying and mm. he's a pest. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy to be friends with Kramer. Yeah. Just, just to be friends with someone as weird as him. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I think Bob's as charming as Kramer is. Nice. I'll read a bit about Bob and some of his uh, highlights. Uh, Bob's from New Jersey. His father lives in Florida, and he's the source of faulty electric organizers known as Willards instead of the more expensive wizards. And that leads to um, Morty's downfall. That's right. Oh, Kramer's downfall. Oh, that's Morty, right. Morty's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Morty's yep, yep. pulling the strings. Yeah, he's yeah. The, yeah. Well, kind of both the downfall. Both the downfall, yes. Yeah. Uh, in the heart attack where Bob makes his debut, uh, Kramer explains how Bob had a botched hernia operation. So now he has a high pitched voice yelling, My name is Bob! <laughs> and spends his days in a wheelchair. Actually, I can imagine Nick Cage yelling, My name is Bob! Or, you know, something. My name is Bob! Yeah. <laughs> in an intense Nick Cage way. Yes. He also had rabies at some point. Yeah, I could imagine that too. That's why, Like I said, that's why I, the only actor I could have picked. For Bob is Nick Cage. I think I mentioned on the way over here that I always imagine Bob Sacramento to be a, a larger man. Maybe not oh, yeah. morbidly obese, but, you know, sort of a, a husky gentleman. Right. So maybe if Nick Cage put on 30kg, that would be the perfect <laughs> image in my mind. <laughs> nice. Or maybe if, like, Chris Farley or someone played him. Oh, you know, Chris, like Chris Farley large... was a pretty big guy. Oh, yeah. Not, not that big. No, oh, like, okay. Not right, like right, Newman right. big. Okay, sure. But, you know, sure. somewhere between Kramer and Newman. Okay, fair somewhere enough. Somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> between so. between morbidly obese and skinny. <laughs> so between, like, 250 pounds and 350 pounds. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Something along those lines. I'm too tired to convert pounds, but sure, yeah. that, that sounds right. Fair enough. Uh, Bob also worked for a time in a condom factory and provided a bag of defective condoms to Kramer in the fix-up. George used a blue one, which was defective, uh, on Elaine's friend, briefly thinking that he impregnated her. Bob once stayed at Kramer's apartment as a guest for a year and a half. Larry Charles, uh, actually a bit of trivia about Bob. Uh, Larry Charles created Bob Sacramento, uh, naming him after a real-life friend. Interesting. Uh, Bob also befriended Jerry when Jerry and Kramer trade apartments, as we mentioned before, because he sells hats at Battery Park for 40 bucks. Yep. Uh, the hat's made from Nutria <laughs> instead of Sable. Uh, and in the ninth season episode, The Wizard, as we mentioned before, uh, Kramer states that Bob's father, Bob Sacramento Sr., lives in Florida. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very charming man. Uh, I think he's obviously been wheelchair-bound since episode two. Yep. So that's probably a reason why we don't see him in Kramer's apartment, because there'd be... Oh, well, there's elevators in Jerry's apartment, isn't yeah. there? Oh, yep. I was under the impression for a second it was just stairs. I mean, if Kramer um, can let three, you know, Japanese people sleep in drawers. Oh, yeah, in the checks, yeah. Put a hot tub in there and <laughs> yeah, get yeah. a shower installed. He and can fit Bob in a, there. Yeah, and he can fit the whole Murph Griffin set. Wheelchair's not a problem. Wheelchair's not a problem? Nah, yeah, fair enough. That's the least of his challenges. Yeah, yeah, look yeah. What a, look at what else he does in his apartment. Do you think if Bob Sakamono became a scene character... It would kind of detract from the mystery of him because he's quite a mysterious character and he's got different facets of him as well. I think it kind of would have taken away from him if we just saw him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty common trope in um, sitcoms or just in writing in general of having a uh, a, a reasonably well-described um, and characterised person, but you never see them. It kind of, yeah, it adds to that mystery mm. and it just lets you imagine something that's your own. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like Maris in Frasier, mm. Niles's wife for I think the first three or four seasons. Yeah, she's described very, you know, in, like in a very detailed way. Mm. Yep. You get an idea of what she's like, but everyone's going to have their own version of what she's like. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and and the fact that it's off screen, a lot of the jokes are about the fact that she's never around. I mean, it, it's not kind of how Bob Sacramento operates. It's not like 
he's supposed to be in scenes, but he's not around for various reasons. But yeah, the off scene, I think, just uh, the, the 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 unseen aspect sort of adds to it. Right. Yeah, I really, I, I've always liked that idea in in shows of like you know what someone's like. Yeah. yeah. Based on you know secondhand accounts and thirdhand mm-hmm. accounts, but you never see them, so yeah. it just lets you you know imagine. <laughs> I could imagine Bob in Battery Park in his wheelchair with Nutria hats, yep. you know, selling them off. Yeah. yeah, I could picture that. Bob, I mean, I a mentioned- Very opportunistic guy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think he's a bit of a, just a wheeler and dealer. Mm. I think it just goes from scheme to scheme. Yeah, that's it. You know, kind of like Lomez. I mean, I mean, in like the hierarchy of wackiness, I think you've got Bob at the top, Kramer in the middle, and Lomez down the bottom. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Bob is the ultimate <laughs> wacky schemer, I think. Yeah. What were you going to say about him before, sorry? About Bob? Uh, you were going to say something before I cut you off. Sorry. <laughs> no? No idea? I think I was just going to say that kind of like Lomez. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Lomez and Bob Sacramento know each other just oh, through yeah. Kramer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I Kramer, can see that. Kramer's sort of friends with everyone and he's, he's always happy to introduce people. And, you know, he's sort of just a he's a he's a common thread through a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they know each other. They might even have their own sort of like... Kramer and Newman-esque type relationship, uh, you know, relationship and adventures off screen. Of course, yeah, you definitely. Know, wouldn't be surprised. And they probably know just Newman as well. Yeah. He probably sees Newman yep. hanging around. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even Mickey. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure they've all hung out at some point. Oh, yeah. That know, together or individually or, you know, just one or two of them. Because Kramer's held parties in the series yeah. at his place. So, yep. I, I can imagine Bob and Lomez were probably there. Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Bob is probably the most popular or at least the most talked about off-screen character mm. in the show for sure definitely yeah and there's a lot to work with a lot to work with um isn't it funny how the how the main two are kramer's friends yeah yeah that's but funny I mean, you know if anyone's going to have weird friends it's kramer it's kramer of course uh did you mention when you were going through uh, information about bob that he lived with kramer for 18 months uh yeah year and a half yeah that's right yeah i think that was in the pick no was it in the pick it was an episode we'd done recently he talks about you know someone said that they're staying at someone's place and then Kramer's like, oh, I stayed at Bob Sacramento's for a year and a half. Yeah. Well, Bob stayed with me for a year and a half. Yeah, that must have been before Jerry moved in. Yeah, I think he was getting over an illness, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Was it the pick? I can't remember. It? Yeah, I forgot which episode, but yeah. No, I think it was a recent one we've done. Yeah. I remember talking about it's it. It's hard to remember um, individual storylines of unseen characters because yeah, there's no, there's no visual aspect to associate them with. I know, and especially like when we do episodes as well, you know, you just forget stuff. It's yeah. like, what and the they, and, and then they kind of wash over each other, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of just mention so... <laughs> yeah like quickly they're just like yeah Bob Sacramento blah 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 and then they move on with whatever they're talking about in the scene but yes he did stay with Kramer for a year and a half I think he was getting over an illness yeah. of some sort yeah, probably that, something that, to do with his operation back in yeah. season 2 could have been his hernia could have been the rabies or the hernia operation uh, yeah, could have been yeah. anything could have been anything yeah maybe I don't know maybe he was infected by the, the dud Russian hats maybe so he's a very uh, sickly man yeah I could imagine yeah he sounds like he's had a bit of an unfortunate life mm. um, but yeah, I, I, he's probably my favourite unseen character. Mine too. Probably because yeah. he's the most fleshed out. I think he is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you have anything um, else about him? No, well, I hope that like if there was ever a Seinfeld spin-off, there'd be one on Bob Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be you know, cool. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> that would work. Do you think that would work? Um, but imagine if he was like off screen all the time, though. Oh, that wouldn't work. <laughs> that wouldn't work? Something nah. different? No? No, he'd have to be on screen. Yeah. But I think, again, like I mentioned before, I think having him on screen, on camera, takes away from the mystery. I like the the intrigue and the mystery of Bob. I love the fact that people just, especially Kramer, just mention him in passing and you can kind of put your story together about him. I yeah. think it's better. Yeah, and he's mm. sort of, 
I mean, it's sort of, I guess you can infer that the core four of it have met him. I mean, Jerry definitely has. He becomes friends with him. Yeah, I think oh, at least three of them have. I think yeah. Elaine has as well. Yeah. Elaine and George. Yeah. Because um, Kate Kramer always mentions him so casually and no one ever says, who, what? Like, who's that? I think Elaine spoke to Bob on the phone. Okay. Because when she had to get the hat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they all know who he is. Mm. He's obviously in and out of their lives, even, you know, occasionally. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I really like him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Good bloke. Yeah. Uh, you got un- some notes on, you were going to say Dr. Bison, right? Yeah, I've got just a few notes, not a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you never really hear about who he is. You no. kind of just, uh, I guess, um, uh, you know, intimate a lot based on his conversations with uh, Jackie Charles. But I think he's a bit of a hack. Yeah. I think he's a bit dodgy. Yeah. I think we kind of mentioned this when we talked about <laughs> Jackie Charles and our What's the Deal with episode about him. Yes. Um, definitely a shonky doctor. Definitely a dodgy doctor. I reckon he stretches the truth, shall we say? Yes. When it comes to maybe medical reports or, um, you know, evidence that he might provide to Jackie to help him win. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Jackie gives him a bit of cash under the table as a bit of a kickback. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think I think him and Jackie grew up together as well because- I don't know, to come to that sort of arrangement, you would need to know someone and trust someone pretty intimately Yeah. to be like, hey, you know, I'm a lawyer, you're a doctor, we might be able to, you know, scratch each other's back. You wouldn't mm. just do that to a stranger. Yeah. I think you'd have to have a long history of trust to to rely on that to not fall, sort of fall apart. I'm pretty sure we, I, I, it might have been with Stacey or it might have been with you, but I remember, remember saying about Dr. Bison as well with Jackie, that Jackie probably, you know, because one of Jackie's clients was like involved with the mafia. So Jackie probably does, or Doctor Bison probably does, like off the book medical exams and yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been with Stacy when we did Jackie Charles. I think I brought that up. Oh, it might have been maybe we were, we were doing an episode with Jackie in it. Oh no, no, because it was with Stacy. But I remember oh, bringing oh, up. Oh, oh, right. Stacy right. was doing that episode. I yeah, think with me. Yeah, with me. It was Stacy did... and I did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. The, the, the two weeks you were away, we did we did the Jackie Charles ep and the betrayal. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was an episode where we were talking about Jackie Charles. Was it the abstinence, was, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we remember. did that one a while ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, I now remember. Now I think that you brought it up. About that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That yeah. I could imagine him doing. You know, like yeah, medical procedures off the books. <laughs> yes. You know, that's and it. then he'll yes, get yes. paid in cash or something. Like that, that was with you. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I had about him. Yeah. Do you have anything else about anyone else? Uh you were going to mention a couple of things about Gail, Elaine's sister, right? Yeah. I I just wanted to mention. I mean, there's very little about her. Um, the only thing that you really know is that. She, um, yeah, is Elaine's, I think, younger sister from memory. And she's been referenced in three episodes, the stakeout, the airport, and the pick. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And that she still lives in St. Louis, which is where uh, Elaine's originally from before she moved to NYC. Yeah. Sorry, not St. Louis. No, Baltimore. Baltimore, that's right. Maryland, yeah. Yeah, so Mm. she obviously grew up in Baltimore with Elaine and then for some reason moved to to St. Louis. Yep. Um, The only extra thing I really wanted to say about her was that out of all of the unseen characters, I'm... I wish we saw Gail, even for like half an episode. I wish there was a storyline with her. For some reason, I always felt like she was mentioned. Yeah. I guess because so little is mentioned about her, there's nothing to work with. So, you're like, I want more. Yeah, because with Elaine, we don't really get to know much about her family. She mentions her mother, but then we see Alton in the jacket, yeah. your mate, <laughs> your favorite episode. Um, and yeah, we just, we don't know much about Elaine's family life. So, I think you're right. I think maybe having Gail and maybe a one episode or maybe once a season, I probably would have added a bit more to Elaine's character as well. I think the fact, I mean, you know, we just said that Bob Sacramento's, the unseen aspect of his character makes it more attractive and makes it more mysterious and makes it more fun. Mm. But you know, you still know a lot about him just yep. through mentions from Kramer. That's but right. the fact that Gail's referenced three times, but you know 
half a fuck all about mm, her. Exactly. It makes it makes me more curious, and it makes me want to know what she looks like, or just mm. something about it. Well, we did have a bit of a backstory when we did our season ten prologue about Gail. That's true. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about bringing Gail into season eleven. Yeah, I think she should. I yeah. think we should satisfy my curiosity and do that. I think we should do it as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you know who you'd cast for Gail, or you haven't done the um, research? No, no, I haven't thought about it. Fair but enough. yeah, I'll I'll do that when we. When we do that. Figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all the notes we have on the unseen characters. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to run through a list. There's about 30 unseen characters. I'm not going to go through every one. Obviously, you're all Seinfeld fans. You're, you're a Seinfeld fan if you're listening, so I'm not. you'll probably know pretty much all of them. But uh, I'll just go through the main unseen characters. So, George Steinbrenner, uh, George's boss at the Yankees. He is unseen like you see him in the back, like you see the back of his head and stuff. Yeah, I think he counts as unseen because you don't see his face. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Don Tyler from the Muffin Tops. He was the CEO of Tyler Chicken, who trades chicken products to the Yankee Stadium for George's employment. <laughs> and he boxes his head like a chicken. Bok, 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 bok. Uh, Doug from the Frogger. He's Kramer's cop friend who gives him police tape. Uh, two weeks ago, we did the Frogger. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jay Ryman Schneider from The Seven, a friend of Kramer's who, according to him, eats horse meat all the time and buys it from his butcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a guy called Spectre from The Tape, uh, another friend of Kramer's who wouldn't date any woman under 250 pounds, and he becomes a minimalist. Uh, Jerry's sister is mentioned in the Chinese restaurant uh, while they wait for a table. Uh, George's brother is mentioned in The Suicide and The Parking Space. Uh, Douglas is Jerry's cousin from The Truth, who spent time in a mental institution. Uh, Simon's from The Stock Tip, George's mate, who gives him stock exchange exchange advice. Mm -hmm. And also Wilkinson from that same episode, which we did with Seinfeld Law, who uh, invests millions into that company. Uh, The Lopper, once again from The Frogger from two weeks ago. Uh, Jerry's aunt from The Soup, Aunt Sylvia. Uh, A woman in Jerry's life who in 1973 played a part in either the greatest or worst moment of of his life, Sharon Besser. From the Pony Remark. Yep. Uh, Jerry Pachyderm Pershek, a.k.a. the Derm from the stand-in, referenced by all of the core four in that episode. Arthur Penske, the Penske file, in the Barber episode. Poor Bobby Pinkers. Poor, poor Bobby Pinkers from the Big Salad. The dry cleaning business owner who's killed by former baseball player Stephen Genderson, <laughs> thanks to Kramer docking him a penalty stroke <laughs> playing golf. <laughs> um, Susie, speaking of Mister uh, or Dr. Bison, uh, Jackie Charles' receptionist. However, Stephen, she has uh, appeared to have appeared alongside Jackie on screen in the finale. Oh, yeah. Mm, I think she's the lady who's next to Jackie. Yeah. Yeah, so she's not quite unseen in the end. But anyway, what can you do? Uh, Paco from The Strike, the chef from Monks who's known to put rubber bands in people's food, especially (laughs) soup. Paco. From The Money, a couple of characters on George's side of the family. Aunt Baby, George's aunt who died at age seven. Estelle says, if Aunt Baby were alive today, how old would she be? Frank says, she'd never make it. (laughs) <laughs> so and, grim. Yes. And Henny, uh, George's maternal cousin, once removed. Uh, from The Revenge, Mr. Papa Nicholas, a neighbourhood local whom Kramer mentions witnessed Newman attempt to commit suicide by jumping off the second story of a building. And finally, from The Puffy Shirt, the man with who had the most exquisite hands you've ever seen, Ray McKingney. The hand model. That's right. Who was so in love with his hands that he was not master of his domain. <laughs> Actually, I just realised one unseen character that's not mentioned in your list mm. uh, and is a classic character is the Bubble Boy. The Bubble Boy, yes, yeah. that's right. I mean, you sort of you technically see his hand. Yeah, that's right. But you don't see his skin. Yes. You just see his hand inside his weird glove Donald thing. Sanger. 
Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yes, so. he's mentioned in there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was on the list, but yeah, oh, of course he? he's one of the notable ones. Yeah, of course. Was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Did you mention him? Oh, no, no, I didn't mention him. No, but you know how I had like so many of them. I just uh, didn't like the main ones that everyone would know. But yeah, Donald Sanger, I just happened to go past him. Okay. So there you go, Donald Sanger, yes. And also, just an honorable mention, uh, a list of pseudonyms used by the Core Four uh, and some imaginary characters that they come up with. So for Jerry, his pseudonyms, Cal or Kel Vanson. Dylan Murphy from the limo and Slappy White. For George, his pseudonyms, Art Vandalay, of course, Buck Naked from The Outing, Colin O'Brien from the limo and Harry Fong from the opera. Uh, some imaginary characters he's made up, Whitey Fisk, Snoopy and Prickly Pete, the horses, <laughs> and uh, Pepe the Chef when they pitched the pilot to NBC. Yep. <laughs> For Elaine, a couple of pseudonyms, Wanda Pepper and Paloma, the nurse. And uh, her imaginary characters, Susie, obviously from the episode of the same name, and Eduardo Corroccio. <laughs> Eduardo uh, Corroccio. Corroccio. And Kramer's pseudonyms are Martin or Peter Van Nostrand and H.E. Pennypacker. And his character in The Keys when he played on Murphy Brown was Stephen Snell. And uh, another pseudonym used by David Putty uh, is Vegetable Lasagna. That's right. By that passenger on the plane. So, yes, they are the unseen characters of Seinfeld, or most of them anyway. What a fun way to end out What's the Deals. I know, right? Let's have a quick break and uh, we'll come back and wrap up the episode. Uh, none of the characters are in my top 20 of all time, but I, I guess we'll find out if it's the case for Steven. We'll be back. Oh, I just got it. Inspector gave it to me. It's giving everything away. It's becoming a minimalist. Is that the guy who likes fat women? Yeah. Welcome back to the last ever What's the Deal with episode. Today we are talking about the... Well, we've just talked about the unseen characters. That's right. Uh, and also the fictional characters, <laughs> the pseudonyms. Yes. Uh, you mentioned before we uh, went to that last break that none of the characters appear in your top 10. No, but do they um, come into your top 20 at all? Or? No. No, you're not sure? No. I think um, if if it was sort of... If I could allow a technicality into my top 20, I'd probably put H.E. Pennypacker in there. Oh, H.E. Pennypacker, yeah. Purely because nice. I love when Kramer's H.E. Pennypacker. <laughs> and just the name is so awesome. I know. It's you so know, good. He's a wealthy industrialist. We've even named the studios after him. Exactly. H.E. Pennypacker Studios. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love him <laughs> just as a fictional character. I nice. think it's more just Kramer's... You know, it's like extra wacky. And just, you know, we just invented a wealthy industrialist. I'm a wealthy industrialist. Yeah, I just bought okay. a silver mine in Peru. A, a, a nic- is, it, is it a silver pro- mine or a nickel mine? I thought it was a silver mine. Silver mine, yeah. Mm, like, yeah. Machu Picchu. Mm, Machu Picchu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And doesn't he want to build a roller coaster as well? He does, yes. Yeah. Um, Honourable mentions for me go to Bob Sacramento. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not in my top 20, but yeah, honourable mentions to him. Fair uh, enough. I would have been. I'm pretty happy with Bob. Yeah. For an unseen character. Yeah, no, I mean, if anyone deserves it, it's him. Mm-hmm, that's right. That is the episode for this week. Thanks that's so right. much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. You can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Reddit. You can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes on your podcast service of choice. And if you want to rate us or review us, that would be wonderful. And finally, if you want to check us out on Patreon, head to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C to check out our tiers and uh, what you can get for various dollars per month. That's right. You can support the show and get some extra goodies as a thank you. Next week, Stephen, it is our 100th episode. We have reached our second milestone of Bidwabask. I am so happy about this. And to celebrate, we are doing a classic episode, The Marine Biologist. That's right. We put it uh, up for a fan vote about a month or two ago, and this was the winner. That's right, Marine Biologist, so I can't wait. And it is an absolutely magnificent achievement, Stephen, uh, doing 100 episodes with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. What a ride. We're not even really halfway through yet, so... (laughs) 
in terms of the episodes we have to cover, I think we're just about halfway. Ah, oh, thereabouts, yeah. But from here on in, because there's no more What's the Deals, yep. it's all episodes from here on in. That's true. That's right. So there's less of us you have to put up with. <laughs> That's right. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And we'll see you next week for our special 100th episode. You have a good week and we'll see you then. Catch ya. Well, Bob Sacamano, he stayed with me once for a year and a half.